Welcome in, folks, here on this film breakdown show after the New York Giants overtime victory over the New Orleans Saints. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, and today we are going to be discussing and breaking down this Saints game against the uh, against the New York Giants, where they were able to get their first victory of the season. They were able to string together some really good drives. And I think the way that we're going to go about this is talking about the good and the bad from this game. So, Chris, I I think the most obvious thing here, the, the obvious good from this performance is Daniel Jones throws for over 400 yards for the first time under Jason Garrett's play calling. And it's something that I almost thought would never happen. (laughs) It's almost something that I just was so expected to seeing 300 yards, 350 max, somewhere in that range, and maybe a couple touchdowns every time this this game was played. I, I never really had that much, that high of an expectation for this offense. But we saw a really, really good game, and I think there's a couple things that come into play that we might be able to pick apart from looking back at the game. Yeah, I I would say the first reason why is the Giants were playing from behind for most of the game, especially in the second half when they were really throwing the ball a lot. Yeah, Yeah, the big passing days like that, usually one of the reasons why is that the team is fighting to come back. They don't have the time to run the ball. And that's really the circumstances the Giants found themselves in where, you know, by the time by the time the Saints kind of opened the door for them in the fourth quarter, the Giants were down two scores and had all of eight minutes to make it up. Yeah, they can't really run the ball all that much. They needed to air it out. But also, we saw a kind of shift in the, in the Giants' offensive philosophy, at least a little bit. And they were actually attacking downfield, not five to seven step drops and you know, going for 40 yard bombs every single play. And those of us who have been wanting the giants to attack further downfield, that's not what we were asking for. They were looking like 10, 15 yards downfield and you can still run a quick offense that way. But the passes just mean so much more when they connect. So the one thing that you, you pointed out here that I think is, is really interesting is we, we were at a certain point in the game where they were down by 11 points and around that time before the, the 11-point deficit and then when they made the comeback, they obviously needed to throw the ball a lot more than they would have earlier in the game. They were down by 11, the clock was ticking, they needed to fight their way back. And it, it felt like all of last season in any circumstance where they were down by like a reasonable two-score deficit, they had no ability to at least come back within striking distance. And every time that they were just so pass-heavy, they would struggle. It would be like a, a, a two-yard gain off of like a quick pass that was covered really quickly. Daniel Jones would get sacked or the ball would get knocked out of his hands and it would be an incomplete pass and it would lead to a third and long. But instead, we saw during that drive and then or those multiple drives that led to the game being tied up and eventually the game-winning drive that they were actually able to move the ball down the field and attack downfield to pick up chunks of yardage. And and that's something that just overall the Giants have struggled with under Jason Garrett, which is coming back in situations where they have to throw the football. 
Yeah, and it, it wasn't just under Jason Garrett. They have struggled with this for a long time now. Right, right. It, it, that that was also an issue under under Pat Shermer too that we we tend to tended to see yeah. is is uh, an inability to come back. And I would say especially under Ben McAdoo, that offense was just completely dysfunctional. But <laughs> you know, with this game in particular, yeah, you know, they did a good job of attacking downfield of using spacing to their advantage, using route concepts and route combinations to their advantage. You know, the first three games and really most of last year under Jason Garrett, the only player who was ever consistently benefiting from route concepts, you know, scheming them open was the slot receiver. So that was usually either Golden Tate or Sterling Shepard, usually Sterling Shepard, because, well, he is just an excellent route runner. So they helped him out as much as they could there. This time, we saw the Giants kind of spread that love around with their route concepts. Uh, Kenny Galladay benefited from it. Kadarius Toney benefited from it. Uh, CJ Board benefited from it just a little bit. Uh, John Ross benefited from it, although they only looked his way twice, I believe. And it was really like watching a modern NFL offense, and I wasn't quite sure the Giants had that in them. Yeah, no, and I I really like the just the overall effort to incorporate the receivers and also Saquon. You can throw him into the mix. Just your offensive playmakers into the roles that they're they're supposed to be used in. Not so much Evan Ingram, uh, which should not be a surprise that he will forever be improperly utilized in this <laughs> offense. <laughs> but you saw change. <laughs> Right, and, and you, but you saw Kenny Galladay get these these really good opportunities and these and these you know these big plays where he caught some good chunk yardage. He was able to get open. He um, he he looked really really good. And then Tony was put in situations where he was in space, and we only got three catches from John Ross. And that long touchdown is exactly what you do you you do with John Ross. He doesn't need to be on the field as much as some of the other receivers, but when you put them out there, it should be a deep shot or at least it should pull defenders away because they're worried about a deep shot coming from him. And then also you throw in the mix there with, um, let's say on Saquon Barkley, him getting into space more is going to be how he contributes. I would almost rather see a 60 yard rushing day and as many receptions and yards on the ground as he had than him, you know, rushing for 80 and not getting any touches in space or anything along those lines. Yeah. Speaking about Saquon Barkley, it was really interesting. Uh, this was the first game of Alvin Kamara's career that he did not get a single reception. Yet I don't think the Saints ever looked his way through the air. It, it was really as, the, as though the Giants or one of these two teams flipped their offensive scripts where we saw the saints try to be more methodical. They used Alvin Kamara the way the giants usually use Saquon Barkley. Meanwhile, for the first time in a long time, the giants actually split Saquon out, used him as a receiver, uh, got him favorable matchups and also used play design to really influence the defense and create separation for him. You know, as we saw on that one long touchdown pass to him where their play design pulled Marshawn Lattimore away from Saquon Barkley, which Lattimore is a fast cover corner. He can keep up with Barkley in the open field. If he doesn't get drawn down by, I believe it was Engram working underneath. 
then you know I don't know if that is a completed pass because yeah, Barkley is a good receiver, but he's still a running back, and <laughs> you know that is just another example of the Giants using their play calling, play to design to their own advantage, which is you know really good to see, and also kind of frustrating that we haven't seen it, but we didn't see it sooner. Yeah, and I also just want to throw in there with Saquon too that, you know, it's funny the, the way that you phrase that. But like, I also really would just like for more of a, a a utilization as just an offensive weapon at this point. And I think that's why everybody was so frustrated. In you, you see this really big running back that's got big thighs and he's fast, and you almost assume like, oh, he needs to just be running into a pile of people and pushing people out of the way. And I think that's. The frustration of fans that are, are used to seeing teams do that maybe you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and, and you almost think that Saquon might be used as a Derrick Henry type running back. But the more that you use the guy in space, the more advantageous he is going to be for your offense. He's not he's just not going to produce as a guy that's going to run into the middle of the offensive line and pick up three yards at four yards every time. He's going to need to, to be put in situations where he can turn three yards of separation between a couple guys because he's run, rushing on the outside or he gets a screen pass and turn into a 15, 20-yard gain. Yeah, uh, that has always been his game. And for some reason, it, the Giants, I don't know if it's in their DNA and just the coaches they insist on hiring who fit their mold of what football should be, but... For some reason, they prefer to make Saquon Barkley try to beat the entire defense rather than get him the ball down the field and give him one guy to beat. And amazingly, when he only has to out-athlete one guy, he can do it. (laughs) I also would like to to provide some praise for this offensive line. And we were coming into this game, and if you want any of the time to go listen back to the Saints preview that we did, and we were justifiably doom and gloom in, in that conversation when talking about the offensive line. Ben Bredesen was out. You got Matt Skurra out there. You're already missing your starting center with Nick Gates. It was a hodgepodge mess of an offensive line coming into this game for a team that was already a messy offensive line that they, they were struggling to protect Daniel Jones. They were struggling to create space to run the football. And this is a matchup where they were facing one of the better defensive lines in the NFL. I, I mean, without going and actually ranking all of them, they're probably in the top 10 conversation, especially for the pass rushers that they have on that group. Peyton Turner, Marcus Davenport, Cam Jordan, that's a very strong group that they have. And based on that circumstance, they were able to protect Daniel Jones pretty well, better than expected. I, I, I don't mean to seem like we're we were just expecting him to get sacked like 10 times, but they really managed to protect Daniel Jones even in situations where he wasn't just quickly getting the ball out. He was able to actually read the field and then deliver to these guys. And it's something that we haven't really consistently seen over the last year and a few weeks. Yeah, uh, I would say say uh, Marcus Stappenford was out. I think that did have an effect. He was He is probably their best pass rusher. But the Giants' offensive line did do a good job in pass protection. They didn't do a whole lot in run blocking. Uh, that is 
to be expected, the Saints have a very good run defense. Even missing some guys, they're still stout up front. And we saw that play out. But also, I think the Saints defense really was respecting Daniel Jones's legs, his scrambling ability, his running ability. You know, we didn't really see the Giants call any designed quarterback runs. And I think part of that was because the Saints did a good job of keeping contained. They never really gave up their gap discipline. They never really over-pursued. And part of that, I think, was them not completely selling out on the pass rush. But also, this was a good matchup for the Giants' offensive line, just from a skill-based perspective. Nate Solder, not the most athletic offensive tackle anymore. Uh, Andrew Thomas, he is much better when he can match power with power, and he doesn't have to worry about trying to keep up with speed on the outside. And the one thing we did note, and we didn't really make this connection in our preview, was that the Saints have a power-based defensive line. You know, pretty much all of their defensive linemen are somewhere between 280 and 305 pounds. And they are really built on establishing the line of scrimmage and, if not getting penetration, pushing the offensive line backwards. And the Giants' offensive line while they're not great at matching up against speed rushers, they can match power for power and and drop anchor, at least in pass protection. And I think that worked out to their advantage. Yeah, it inadvertently ended up being a a good matchup, as you indicated. And as we've seen, despite having good matchups, the Giants have found ways to still struggle. So props to the offensive line for stepping up to what was effectively going to be a challenge. And they did a really good job of it. They deserve the recognition of protecting Daniel Jones at a a very high quality in a a difficult situation. Now, uh, speaking of lack of uh, a pass rush, we're going to talk about this, this Giants pass rush and the struggles that they had. But before we do, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So you've indicated for, for me here, or for us here, Chris, that the defensive line had zero sacks, hits, or pressures, and only one tackle for loss. And I guess if you're talking the whole front seven or the whole defense, they also had 15 missed tackles. So unpacking one thing at a time. I don't know why, for whatever reason, going against a, a good Saints offensive line that was missing some guys, why the pass rush in the defensive line was completely non-existent in this game. Uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure why either. I, I think Jameis Winston moved a little bit better than we thought he was going to. I think he got the ball out quickly enough to frustrate the Giants' pass rush. 
But in general, there just wasn't a whole lot of push up front from the Giants' defensive front. We noted it after the game. Their run defense was just bad. Uh, guys were getting pushed backwards, put blown off the ball. Holes were getting opened up. It Their run defense was ugly. And it wasn't just Taysom Hill on his touchdown runs who was breaking tackles. The Giants tackling has been a problem going back into preseason. And, you know, we've kind of been waiting for them to clean it up. And it really hasn't materialized. You know, also one interesting thing I noted when I was looking over the snap counts, the Giants played a lot of nickel, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to nickel is the base defense of the NFL, but the kind of weird part of it was most of the time they were taking one of their edge players off the field. Yeah, they were taking either Lorenzo Carter or Aziz Ojolari off the field. O'Shane Zimenez barely played. I think he got 15 snaps total. And yeah, unless you are bringing pressure, which I don't think the Giants did a whole lot of, that is that is going to interfere with your pass rush because you know kind of something we have established is the Giants defensive linemen are not great pass rushers yeah Leonard Williams can get pressure eventually if the secondary can hold up for four or five seconds uh Dexter Lawrence can uh, be disruptive just based on his size and explosiveness but if an offensive lineman is able to really meet and deflect that power, you know, Lawrence doesn't have a whole lot of other tricks up his sleeve. So it's just weird to me that the Giants kind of sacrificed their pass rushers for additional defensive backs and then didn't really scheme up a whole lot of pressure. Yeah, I, I almost it, it's it's really just disappointing at this point to see not at least like any any type of statistical metric that indicates pressure. Nothing recorded. We saw them struggling, but we at least saw glimpses. Like we at least saw that they were able to put themselves into good situations. And we saw Aziz Ojolari start off his rookie season really, really well by getting a sack in all three, three of those first three games. But, you know, here we are now where they can't even generate anything. I just uh, that ultimately is super super frustrating, and I it's not like with Jason Garrett where we can pinpoint okay this is the issue here here and here. I I can't blame Patrick Graham. I just don't think he has the dudes to to create a consistent pass rush. It's it's becoming a problem, and at a certain point you have to go out and bring somebody in. I don't know if they'll have the cap room to sign a free agent, but I would be hoping that in this year's next upcoming class, that they're in some type of a range with those first two picks, hoping the Bears absolutely suck, and that the um, the first few picks are quarterbacks, which is probably highly likely, and Kayvon Thibodeau is somewhere in the top five, because right now they need something like that. Yeah, and you know maybe the Bears are going to help the Giants out. They have said that, uh, that Justin Fields is their number two, and then when Andy Dalton is healthy, <laughs> he'll be back on the field. So you know maybe they're going to do the Giants a solid there. Yeah, th- thanks, man. Matt Nagy's like, you know what? We need the Giants to have a good pick. So Andy, you're going back out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that was part of the agreement in the trade down. 
but also the the other side of it is that the Giants played a lot of nickel and that they had Julian Love out there and I like Julian Love. Uh Jabril Peppers has seen his snap share decrease a lot over the last couple weeks. That's been a little mystifying, but he has also kind of struggled when he has been out there, especially when asked to drop into coverage. But the Giants just are not disrupting passers. Jameis Winston was the fourth quarterback in four weeks to complete over 70, 70% of his passes against the Giants. Uh, opposing quarterbacks are averaging 75% completion. Uh, the Giants had one pass defensed. That is not good. That is not sustainable. Like If opposing quarterbacks are moving the ball that easily on you and getting the ball to their receivers that easily, it is awfully tough to win some games. And it is awfully tough to really get off the field on the defensive side of the ball, especially when your defensive front is getting pushed around and starting to give up runs. Yeah. The luckily Alvin Kamara never broke out and had a big run, but he was able to start getting seven, eight, nine yard runs pretty consistently by the fourth quarter. Uh, I don't know if people have noticed, but we've, we kind of uh, made the decision to structure this from, you know, the, good aspects of the game to the bad. And that really does line up with the offense and the defense because the offense was good. The defense was just bad this game. Yes, they held the Saints to 21 points, but, and this is just a bad thing for me from a a general football lover's perspective. The Saints made a lot of the same mistakes. We got, we have gotten used to seeing from the Giants. They, by rights, should have blown the Giants out this game. You know, they had four possessions in Giants territory in the first half and only got seven points out of it. They had just bad, dumb penalties, like the really unnecessary holding penalty that wiped, what was it, a 46-yard touchdown pass off the board. Again, good for the Giants, but just bad football. Uh, We saw just some weird, weird, inexplicable play calls from Sean Payton, uh, particularly involving Taysom Hill, that long interception he threw after the nullified touchdown, the decision to have Taysom Hill run quarterback power on the third down with eight minutes to go, which was the turning point of the game. I, I checked the winning for the win probability and the saints had a 97% chance of winning at that point in the game. If they just bled the clock and came away with a touch, uh, field goal, let alone a touchdown, the Giants would have had almost no chance. And then, you know, just so many failures on their part. And it was just bad football. That's not to take anything away from the Giants win, but I am just getting tired of watching bad football. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to react to something that you said, Chris. And I, I started to chuckle because you, you, you mentioned the fact that we broke this show up in, in praising the offense and talking very highly of the offense in the first half, which was the good. And as we, we have to be 100% objective, we're not going to just sit here 
and only talk about the positives in a game because then you know we wouldn't be doing our job in evaluating the performance. We got to acknowledge what some of the mistakes were that need to be corrected. So the the negative as you were talking about was pretty much the overall performance of the defense. And I can't remember the last time in doing this show in the past year, except maybe when Pat Shermer and, and Betcher was the defensive coordinator, that the defense was was the ones that were making all the mistakes and that were hurting them and uh, it, you know were essentially allowing their opposing team, the opposing team to control the game on the ground and, and all the stuff they were seeing. And the offense was the one that did the good job and that won the football game. It's almost always been the fact that the defense has made like some type of really big play or they've, they shut down their, their rushing attack and kept them under like 80 yards or something along those lines. But we got the total 180 flip of that in this game. You also mentioned how this team also only allowed 21 points, but I, I really don't think that tells the full story because they should have scored more points. They did hunker down and make the plays when uh, Sean Payton made those decision-making errors. But overall, the defense just, it, it, it's odd to see that they're the ones who, who, who cost them and the offense is the one who made up for it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just stepping back from like a analytic point of view, this was a thing I picked up from you know working with Dan Pizzuta for so long. Uh, from year to year, Offense is usually pretty consistent, and that's usually because quarterbacks are usually pretty consistent from year to year. Uh, defense, not predictive at all. It's possible to have a great defense one year and have them just completely fall apart the next year. It's, I think part of it is that defenses tend to, their performance tends to reflect the offenses they play. And last year, the Giants did kind of luck out with their quarterback matchups where they they had quite a few games where they were playing against backup quarterbacks or playing against just bad teams or both when they played the Bengals. And you know, this year they're getting starting quarterbacks. They're getting fairly complete offenses. And yeah, you know, the defense just isn't playing up to what we saw from from them last year. Now that is understandable, given that they're getting tougher matchups, but they're also making mistakes and having just failures that are we definitely did not expect from really all of the investments that have been made into the this side of the ball. So they have to now shift their focus to an important NFC East game against the Dallas Cowboys, and that one we'll obviously preview and, and we'll get everything ready for that but that's going to be super super important for if this Giants team is going to be capable of riding the ship and they cannot make the same defensive mistakes against a much more potent offense uh, when they face the Dallas Cowboys folks be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date leave us a five star review we'll catch you later enjoy the rest of your week